Welcome to Excel Radio with Dr. Nick Zarowski, where we talk with world-class entrepreneurs, executives, and health experts who have unlocked the secrets to Excel Health and performance. Hi, and welcome to Excel Radio. This is your host and high-performance expert, Dr. Nick Zarowski. In this episode, our special guest is Christine Hassler. Christine is a author who has written several books, ranging from 20-something, 20-everything, to 20-something manifesto, to her most recent book, Expectation Hangover. Christine also runs retreats and coaches many very successful entrepreneurs. Christine, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks so much. I'm happy to be here. All right. So let's start off talking about your book, right? So you have this book called Expectation Hangover. Can you tell me a little bit about what Expectation Hangover is and what it's all about? Sure. Well, this is my third book. And um, I... I really, you know, all my books have been the books that have helped me. You know, I, I didn't find it out there, so I wrote it myself is, is basically what's sort of the inspiration behind so many of them. And then I've been coaching since 2004, so, and I'm a coach and a spiritual counselor, so a lot of my work is inspired not just by my own journey, but by all the people that I help either coaching or on retreats or whatever. Okay. And I noticed that people's... Um, people suffer the most when their reality does not match their expectations. And I define an expectation hangover as when one of three things happen. Uh, Either something doesn't turn out like you planned, or it does turn out like you planned, but you don't have the feeling you thought you would, like you get that great job, but all the happiness you thought that was going to come with it doesn't. Or life just throws you an unexpected curveball. So basically, an expectation hangover is disappointment. And what I have seen is that, and this isn't a newsflash to anyone, I'm sure, is that in our disappointment and in our struggles is often where we transform the most. It's in those moments where we're brought to our knees or where we're disappointed or where we're uncomfortable that a huge doorway of transformation opens if we're willing to walk through it. But the problem is most people don't like feeling bad, so they do a lot of quick fix coping mechanisms to try to get themselves out of an expectation hangover without fully leveraging it. So this book is really about the healing and treatment plan to really not only overcome an expectation hangover, but heal it and treat it and leverage it. Because if you if you really treat it holistically, and by that I mean on the emotional level, the mental level, the behavioral level, and the spiritual level, then mm-hmm. not only do you have to not only do you not have to have that same expectation hangover again, but you also just open up tremendous doorways to better possibility and you get more in alignment with who you really are and what you're here to do. Okay, gotcha. So what what inspired you to write Expectation Hangover? Because you have I think you said two other books, was it? Yeah. Two yeah. other books, and then you have this one. So what was the inspiration behind this? Well, I mean, I think that um, my own life, you know, that was part of it. And just I, I have such a, a high value to helping people. Like that is my mission is to ease suffering on the planet so that everyone can step into the full potential of who they really are and make the difference that they're here to make. And my core value um, is freedom. And okay. so I'm really a commitment to helping people free themselves from suffering. Now, 
I don't believe that the human experience is supposed to be void of suffering. I actually think that struggle and challenge and difficulty is how we learn. Uh, we just need the right tools for it so that we don't have to suffer needlessly, but we can really go into it and leverage it and learn from it and learn how to mine for the gold in it rather than just trying to like push it away. So I really wrote this book because I wanted to give people a manual for this. You know, I, I noticed in the personal transformation industry that there was a lot of quick fixy books like just on the mental level or just on the emotional level or just on the physical level. And my intention was to really write a holistic, all-encompassing book that has exercises and guided meditations and everything like that because I, you know, there was only so many people I could work with and a book is a great way to put tools out there, you know, and be able to right. help more people. And, and I wanted people to have a book where they could read it and actually create change and transformation, not just like have awareness because as you probably know, there's a difference between the awareness of concepts. Like you can be aware of what's good, what is good to eat or, you know, what are good supplements to take. But until you integrate them and make changes in your diet and your lifestyle, you're not going to feel the effects. So I wanted to offer people something that um, would give them the experience of integration and transformation. And again, like in so many ways, I wrote it for me. I, I was somebody who struggled with expectation hangovers in my life and found my way out of them. And just like when you go to a really great restaurant and you want to tell everybody to go there because it's amazing, yeah. I have found the freedom and joy in my life that I never thought possible through using these tools. So I felt I really felt a responsibility to share it. Right. And I think everybody experiences these expectation hangovers, right? Because I'm trying to think, like, as you're talking, I'm trying to brainstorm in my own life how it's like I had an expectation to uh, accomplish something or for something to turn out like in a certain way. And it just didn't go the way I thought it was going mm -hmm. to. And then you kind of get stuck there, right? And so I'm, you know, I'm thinking like in my own life. And the first thing that comes to mind for me is, you know, back in my education, like, you know, when you'd go and you'd think that you were like so prepared for a test or, uh, uh, you know, one of these, um, um, tests that you actually had to perform a bunch of different, uh, you know, procedures in or whatever. So, you know, you think you're really prepared for it and you're going to go in and rock it and you're going to get this like A plus and you walk out and you like just skated by or didn't pass or something like, and then you're just so, I guess that would be an expectation hangover. You're just like Absolutely. stuck, right? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And and I mean, then and then here's here's my question. Okay, so and I don't mean to cut you off, but okay. then from there, like how do you get out of that, right? <laughs> well, it depends, you know, on what it is and how deep you're in it. You know, there's a difference between the expectation hangover of a parking ticket and the expectation hangover of a marriage ending. You know, oh, um, right. obviously, obviously, those are going to be different things. So the first step really is to move into full acceptance. You know, I love Byron Katie. She's one of my teachers, and one of the things that she says is, um, and I'm paraphrasing it, so I don't know if I'm getting it exactly right, but the okay. the context of her quote is. When you fight with reality, you only lose 100% of the time. And yeah. that's so true. And so much of what makes whatever is happening even worse is the meaning we associate to it. So there's what's happening and then there's the meaning we give to it, right? Mm -hmm. So the first thing is to move into acceptance. Now, acceptance doesn't mean you have to love it. 
my, I got a parking ticket two weeks ago and it, I, I'm not like excited about it. I'm not jumping for joy. However, I didn't go into this terrible upset reaction because that wasn't going to change anything. That was just going to make it worse. Okay. So I was like, oh man, I felt that initial twinge of you know being angry at the traffic ticket person and beating myself up for being a minute late. I was seriously only a minute late. Yeah. But then I moved into, I took a deep breath and I moved into like, I accept this. I accept what this is. I'm not going to fight with reality and I'm just going to pay the ticket. Like, mm -hmm. And I was grateful for the abundance I have to be able to afford a parking ticket. You know, So that's the first step is to move into acceptance. And then you know, the book is organized in a certain way. It's, it's the treatment plan is first emotional, then mental, then behavioral, and then spiritual. And that's very intentional because the first thing is, especially in a bigger expectation hangover, like, you know, someone dies, you get broken up with, like something, you know, that's, that's a lot harder. We have to feel our feelings, you know, and I think that there's often the encouragement to be strong or to go right for the lessons and the blessings, but as human beings, we feel, and it's important to be able to process our feelings and release them so we don't end up suppressing them and getting sick down the road. Um, so like feel your feelings, but with compassion, not with feeling sorry for yourself, not by going into a pity party, not by judging yourself, but really like let, allow yourself to feel what the feeling is. And then mentally just start asking yourself the question, you know, what am I learning? versus why is this happening? Because we want to get ourselves out of a victim mentality when we have an expectation hangover and, and look for the opportunities to grow because there's always an opportunity to grow within any expectation hangover. Okay, so really with this then, it's there's, there's a couple things that I want to go back to here. So the power of questioning is what I call it, the power of asking the right questions. So you, you're talking about that a little bit then. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And also the power. So in every section of the book, like you take on a different role to help you learn what I'm teaching. So like in the in the um, emotional, you're the surfer and you're learning how to ride waves of your emotion. And in the mental, um, you're the horseback rider. You're aware that your mind is like this galloping horse, but you are the rider. You have the reins in terms of how you want to steer it, right? And, and in terms of what questions you want to ask. So we can't always choose what happens, but we can choose our thoughts about it. And we can ask questions that move us more in the direction we want to go versus questions that keep us stuck. And on the behavioral level, we become the scientist. We become the observer of ourselves. So I think it's important to observe ourselves in situation, kind of like take ourselves out of our body and like observe ourselves from a neutral perspective, a non-judgmental perspective, and be like, wow, how am I responding? How am I reacting? What am I creating? by responding in this way? Is there a different choice I could make that would bring more peace and calm to my life? Gotcha. So, you know, I had just recently done a like an exclusive interview for our inner circle group at uh, New Vision Excel, and it was with Jeremy Hendon. And, you know, one of the things that he had brought up when he, he was basically just talking about like some of the major things that he thinks are game changers. And he had talked about therapy, like just going in like, you know, talking to somebody about this. Is that kind of important too when you talk about an expectation hangover is not, you know, you'd mentioned like, don't just keep it all inside, but you know, talking to somebody as well. Yeah, I think so. I think therapy, coaching, um, any any time that we have that um, 
anytime we're being basically held in a, in a space where someone is in a space of compassion and encouragement and you know we're not we're not here on our own we don't live in right. a vacuum and part of what's so great about a good therapist or coach is they can hold a space of compassion and why it works is they're modeling to us a way to be with ourselves because you know when I first really started my personal growth journey I needed a lot of time with a coach and a therapist I had a lot of anger and shame and sadness to deal with and she held this space of unconditional love and compassion and acceptance and modeled that for me so now I know how to be that way with myself so when I have a big feeling come up in my own life now don't get me wrong I still go and I have my own coach and friends and people that I'm vulnerable with but mm -hmm. most of the time I can really process and be with my feelings on my own because I've learned from people that I've sat in front of how to be compassionate with myself gotcha so you talk about the book being a holistic prescription um, for you know helping you get over your expectation hangover. Now, are you calling this a holistic prescription? Um, basically, you know, on the contrary to the uh, prescription drug that might help somebody with, um, let's say, depression. Well, you know, I'm never someone that will say that, you know, this, do this and you won't need antidepressants. Like, I'm not a medical doctor and I, right. you know, would never assert that. Um, you know, for me, this is the work that has worked for me in being able to get off antidepressants in my own life um, and stay okay. off of them for a long time. And uh, also, like, the work that I've seen so many p other people do, you know, because so much of of any kind of you know drinking or eating or shopping or dating around or whatever even medication to some point is a coping strategy and if we have better tools and if we're willing to go and do the work on all these levels um, it's not as quick and as instant as you know a glass of wine may make you feel happy uh, it is it's thorough and it lasts and so for me, from a very young age, I was just really committed to, like, I, I, I've always been um, more on the mindset of health and well-being and alternative medicine. I started getting migraines when I was, like, eight years old and learned about food allergies and exercise and all these things. But the piece that was missing for me until my 20s was really learning the emotional processing part of it. Um, and that was like the missing piece. And once I learned that, well, there, actually there are two things missing, the emotional part and also the spiritual part. Like I didn't have a connection to any kind of higher power. Um, and so I thought I had to do everything on my own. And so there was a part of me that never surrendered. So that was another big part of it as well. Yeah, and that's interesting. And I really feel that if people have this type of information and let's say even if they're unaware of it you know they come across it a lot of this information that you have in in uh, you know just asking better questions and that sort of thing can actually help people who are uh, facing depression and, and, and all those sorts sorts of things right right so you know why is it so important that people get over this expectation hangover or, or you know just this this period in their life so that they can move on and they can do greater things. Well, I mean, I, I, why isn't it important? I think is even the better question. It's like it's everything, you know. When we're stuck in an expectation hangover, we can't live in our full potential because we don't feel free. You know, in order to really live in our full potential, we have to be free from those things that drag us down. And when we're in disappointment, and when we're in 
um, an upset, it's an, it's an amazing time to learn, but it's like sort of an inward process. And so once we get to the other side of it, we really heal, then it's like, wow, we have something to share with the world. And it's interesting, the, the actual, do you know what the original definition of the of passion is? No, I don't. So the original definition is suffering. Okay. That's the original definition. And it, it, you know, the passion of the Christ, that's where it comes from. Right. And um, over time, we've evolved it to mean, um, you know, our greatest love. And so much of what we love comes from our suffering. Like, I'm sure you or people that are listening, your work or something that you're passionate about, a cause or whatever, it may have come from some kind of suffering in your life, you know? And so that's a really important thing to, to be mindful of is that, like, wow. Um, this is an incredible part of our journey. And so when we, when we liberate ourselves from the suffering, when we go and we mine for the gold in an expectation hangover and we learn things, our life changes. Because the thing about an expectation hangover is that it's basically triggering issues you haven't resolved. You know, that's why people experience the same kind of expectation hangovers over and over and over again. Like they keep getting into a job they don't like or they keep attracting unavailable people or they keep dealing with the same health issue. Mm -hmm. It's because something hasn't been resolved at a core level. And so your expectation hangover is giving you the opportunity to do just that. Right, right. So what are some major ways that you can prevent an expectation hangover? Because, I mean, it's going to happen. It, every, if somebody is listening to this and they're saying that has never happened to them, like, <laughs> I think they're just not being honest with themselves. So, you know, what is what are the, some of the major strategies that you can start implementing or maybe thought processes or, or maybe even those questions you had asked before? Are those very important in order to prevent an expectation hangover? Well, yeah, I think that the key thing with preventing expectation hangovers is one, okay, we're going to get disappointed, we're humans. Um, but really, it's about having low attachment and high intention. So it's about pursuing goals and going through life with high involvement and intention, right? Like I'm going to give this my all, but I'm not going to make my okayness, my worthiness, my state of mind dependent on the result. Because why people suffer so much and get so many hangovers is because basically they attach their worthiness onto the outcome. Like they attach, I'll be happy when I get married or I'll be happy when I make this much money right. or I'll be happy if this launch goes amazing or I'll be happy when I cure myself of this ailment. And it's like, no, the trick is, yes, go and pursue those things, but be happy now. Don't get attached to the result because then if it doesn't happen, then the expectation hangover is even worse. So how I prevent expectation hangovers in my own life is one, I, I accept when they happen and I use the tools. So the time between expectation hangovers is longer and the time I spend suffering within them is shorter. But I also live my life with high involvement and intention but low attachment so that if something doesn't happen the way I planned or intended, I don't fall apart. Oh, very interesting. And as part of this, part of this whole thing too is probably not setting goals that are too, uh, you know, too big of goals or too many goals. Is that correct right. as well? Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's like... I mean, we can have big dreams and big visions, but I think we've got to let the, in terms of an essence, but I think we've got to let, leave the form up to the universe. Meaning like I have a big vision to help as many people as I can in this life. And I have certain goals in terms of, of how I will do that. But I also open it up to like the forms that the universe wants to bring in. I'm not so attached the way I think it needs to be done. 
um, I leave enough space for the unexpected to come in because when we're too attached to what we want, there's not a lot of room for the right. unexpected blessings to right. come in. Right. I know some people that won't even that won't even write down goals and they just don't believe in it because they say if you set if you have like goals that you're writing down that you're like working so hard towards, then you don't leave any room for the unexpected and the unexpected blessings like you were talking about. Mm, mm. Well, I think I don't know. I think it's up to to the person, each individual yeah. person. Um, if you can practice goals with high involvement and low attachment, and, and again, when you look at your goals, really ask yourself, what am I really after? Because we're always chasing a feeling. You know, we're always chasing the essence. It's like, okay, um, say you want to be an entrepreneur. All right, what do you think you will get from that? How will you feel? And how can you create that in your current life now? So how can you create more freedom, more creativity, whatever you're doing right now? Or if you're dealing with a health issue and, and you know your goal is to be healthy, whatever that means to you, how can you feel health and vitality in your body right now? Can you mm -hmm. take a deep breath and feel that feeling of vitality in your body right now and not focus so much on what's not there but focus on the essence of what's already there? Yeah, absolutely. And also like, you know, finding, finding people to help coach you through some of these different things absolutely. as well. You said yeah. you had a coach, correct? Oh, I have tons of coaches. Yeah, I had. I met my first coach when I was 22, and she trained me. And um, I, you know, have my coaches now are more um, more spiritual coaches. I have one coach that coaches me in business with different projects, and then I have a couple of coaches that that are teaching me more energy work and spiritual stuff. Because I've been, you know, doing the work for a while now, so I don't have as many. Um, like kind of goal line issues or problems I've worked through so much of it because to be a good coach you really have to work your own stuff like you're on the yeah. advanced course yeah um so now it's just about being able to to go to the next level um in in terms of like my own spiritual path and also just continue to you know I think what the benefit of having coaches of any kind is we have blind spots and my coaches along the way have been have pointed out those places that I didn't see myself and it's so useful and then just to have somebody hold a space of, of unconditional love and encouragement for us you know we're not we're not meant to do it all on our own I mean if we go back to like tribal days we, we lived in a group we lived in the community and I think that there's so much especially with technology you know, you don't, even, you don't even need to go to the grocery store anymore. And we have the illusion of connectivity with Facebook and social media and all those things. But it's not true connection in terms of the kind that really soothes our soul. So having that person-to-person -person connection and intimacy in our life beyond just romantic relationships I think is incredibly powerful. No, and I think you couldn't have said that better. You know, w the coach is able to see the blind spots that we're not able to see and help propel us forward by basically bringing that to our attention exactly that's awesome so another question about your book now you talk a lot about um, writing exercises and how it's really important during the expectation hangover can you talk about that a little bit sure well so many of the exercises in the book are written and uh, why it's important to do that versus type it is that when we write we're accessing the emotional creative center of our brain which is the place we want to go to to really move the needle on any kind of disappointment and healing. And so by writing, it's like we, we trigger our own not only emotion and creativity, but our own intuition. So it's a beautiful process to be able to do. And, and that's why there's so many written exercises in the book because it's beyond just journaling, but asking really strategic questions. And then there's a specific form of writing I share in the book called release writing, which is not journaling at all, but it's actually writing to move emotion. 
and you sit down whenever you're in any kind of upset or you're trying to let go of some emotion or frustration with blank paper and you just write and you're writing whatever feeling, emotion, thought you're having and you're writing so fast that it's not even legible. And you don't keep it at all. You don't reread it. You rip it up and throw it away when you're done with it. Okay. Good. So it's mostly, it's just, it's another way of getting it out, basically. It's a purging process. Yep. Okay. Awesome. So, you know, you have said, uh, you know, you were talking about your retreats. You have some retreats. You also uh, coach a lot of people. Um, Can you talk a little bit about like your retreats and, and what goes on there? Oh, I'd love to. So, there's such magic that happens on a retreat. You know, we put ourselves in a container for anywhere from three to six days with other people who are like-minded, and and you know, take ourselves away from our normal day-to-day activities and and basically um, step into experiential processes that promote healing and well-being and connection to a higher power. And and so I do different kinds of retreats. I do international retreats, one in Tulum, one in Costa Rica, um, one in Bali next year because I love taking people to really sacred, beautiful places and using the environment, uh, using the land, using the energy there as part of the tools in my facilitation and then creating a container where people can really bond and do personal growth work. So I always combine personal growth work, yoga, meditation, um, tools and strategies and, and also activity and adventure. Uh, and then I do other retreats that are a little shorter that are, are that are just on the processing where you go away for two nights to a place outside of LA and um, you spend the night there obviously and and it's not about the place or the land or adventure it's about really diving in to a lot of the tools I teach in the book but on a much deeper level Um, and this one I do just for women because I notice so so many women um, are really suppressed emotionally and really repressed emotionally especially when it comes to anger and I, I believe that's why so many women are dealing with fibromyalgia, fatigue, fertility issues, all these kinds of things because women are such emotional creatures. We all are, women especially. And so many women suppress and repress their emotions and don't really know how to honor them. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's great. You know, you can't go wrong going uh, going to some beautiful places like that either. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I, sometimes I look around and I'm like, I can't believe this is my job. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, exactly. I think that um, last time I saw you, you would actually you were um, actually going on one of those yes. retreats. So yes. yeah. Yes, I was off to Costa Rica. I had to I had to make a brief stop in Vegas to speak, which was interesting because it was the weekend of the big fight. So it was oh. a very it was not a great weekend to be in Vegas. And then I, I went right not. from that to to Costa Rica, which is just beautiful. I've gone to the same place. I rent a place there in um in Nosara, which is a blue zone. And blue zone are actually areas in the world where people live longer because of the spiritual energy, the food, the lifestyle, all that kind of stuff. So it's just a really magical place to go. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you, uh, with a blue zone, it wasn't the, isn't it like the average age is a certain number or Yes. Yes, the average age is higher. I don't know what the number is, okay. but yeah, basically people live longer. Yeah, no, there, there's blue zones all over the world and it's always really incredible. Um, you know, they talk about like the Okinawans and and you know, some of these little tribes, so they're always very interesting to yeah. study and discover. Um you know your journey as a uh, 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 entrepreneur. You've you've kind of just been off on your own and doing doing your own work for quite some time now, correct? Yeah, over a decade. 
Okay, that's 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 really awesome. So, you know, to our female entrepreneurs who are listening, you know, what are what are some success tips that you can give them? <laughs> uh, don't try to be a man in doing it. You know, like I think that um, since you asked me specifically about women, you know, women and and I I love that there are women and men, and I love that we're different. And yes, we all have masculine and feminine inside, uh, but most women are more feminine, like that's more of our essence. And I think that you, a lot of women as entrepreneurs don't trust you can build a business in a more feminine way. They, they think you have to be super driven and super focused and super strategic and plan, plan, plan. And all of that is great, and, but it is very masculine. And I see a lot of female entrepreneurs throw themselves into trying to build like men do when it, we don't. And it can be very depleting for us. And I've built my business very organically, very creatively, very intuitively. Um, I haven't done a lot of marketing. I haven't done a lot of internet marketing. And I've really done it a different way. And so for the women, I would say trust the power of the feminine as well. Trust uh, the power of creativity. Trust the power of receptivity, the power of intuition, the power of surrender. And allow your business to be not, not, not necessarily built, but allow your business to be created in a more feminine way. Yeah. And, and that's excellent advice. And, you know, I work with many uh, female entrepreneurs within the health center. And let me tell you, some of these, some of these different women, you know, the, the authority that they, um, that they have and, and the amount of things that they accomplish is unbelievable. So, yeah. um, you know, certainly that's incredible. All right. So because this is a health-based podcast, we have to jump into your health a little bit. And I know that you take incredibly good care of yourself and your health. And so can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, your different philosophy on health and, and, you know, what you do in order to take care of yourself? Yeah. Well, you know, it was interesting. I was just at um, Rancho La Puerta, which is another retreat center just uh, south of the border, south, south of San Diego. And the owner of it, the creator of it, spoke to us, and she's 93 and just radiant. And wow. and she she basically spoke to my health philosophy, which is I take good care of myself as an investment in my future. You know, I I want to be around for a long time. I love life. I think life is a gift. And so I I don't eat well and exercise because you know it makes me look good. That's a great side effect, but mm-hmm. it's all about how it makes me feel. And I think that self-care, how we take care of ourselves on a health level, really impacts our success and our relationship with ourselves. Because when we take care of ourselves on a truly healthy level, not because we're trying to lose five pounds and get into a dress, but right. like on a real healthy level of, of nourishment, basically we're telling ourselves unconsciously, I matter. I, mm-hmm. I love myself. I trust myself to take care of myself. And when we don't have that level of self-care, it perpetuates a misunderstanding that we're not worthy, um, that we're not deserving, and, and we kind of don't trust ourselves if we can't even take care of our basic health. So to me, it's really a call to action as like, you know, every choice you make regarding your health is an investment in your future and is, is programming. You know, what are you basically telling yourself by how you take care of yourself? Right. And I totally agree. I mean, I have people who come to me and, you know, it's unfortunate, but a lot of people come when 
they have a serious, serious problem, right? Yeah. Uh, now, when it comes to a lot of the, you know, really forward thinking entrepreneurs, I think that they realize that in healthcare altogether, there is a serious problem. I mean, they start seeing their friends having health concerns. And so, you know, they, they, they start looking for uh, preventative ways um, to, you know, not only keep them healthy and keep them well and prevent disease and that sort of, sort of thing, but one of the things that, you know, a lot of them look to as well as like, look, how can I show up in, in like, you know, basically operate at my full genetic potential every mm-hmm. single day with like mm-hmm. maximum energy, maximum focus, um, and, and, and really just give it my all every single day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. And I think that that's like our natural functioning rate. I think we've come, we've had to do all this biohacking and all this health optimization stuff because we've so lost touch oh, with yeah. with how to take care of ourselves. I mean, just the fact that we're on our computer screens way past when the sun goes down is offsetting our whole biorhythms, you know? So now we have to hack it because we've messed up with we've messed up what's innately true. We've put chemicals in our body and preservatives in our body. And so to me it's not about like so much optimization. It's just about a return to like our natural vitality. Um, that we've sort of messed up along the way with just the way the, the world has evolved. So I love that sort of biohacking and human optimization is becoming more of a trend. And I also, I hope that, you know, it was interesting when I was listening to Deborah, the 93-year-old speak, everybody was like, oh my God, she looks so young. And it was like, she's the exception to the rule. And I look forward to the day the day when she's the rule, you know, when like, yeah, at 93, there's no reason not to be vital and sharp yeah. and working and, you know, doing Pilates five times a week and everything else she was doing. That's that's awesome. Now, do you have a story about her on your website right now? I do. I absolutely do. Yeah. Okay. Because I think I saw a picture uh, with you uh, and her and in, in, so maybe people could read about it. Yeah, absolutely. I actually heard two people speak, a gentleman who was 88 and then her who's 93 okay. and just was so inspired by them both that, I, that that was my blog this week. Okay. Awesome. And then, you know, what is your philosophy on like fitness? What are you doing to stay fit? You're a very fit individual and uh, um, you know, what do you do f- to stay fit? So I move every day. I, I mean, I pretty much exercise every day and sometimes it's a hard workout. Sometimes it's yoga. Sometimes it's jumping on my rebounder. So my thing is I, I like, I love working out. It's fun for me and I do things that are fun. You know, I'm not going to go do something that I don't enjoy because then it just feels like I'm punishing myself, <laughs> you know? So I do things that, and I'm, I'm, I'm addicted to the endorphin high. Like I love the way I feel after I work out. I love mm-hmm. feeling strong in my body. Um, so I'll do everything. I do a lot of circuit training and to all the women out there, I lift weights. You know, people <laughs> ask me. I am. People ask me like a lot of times, how do you get your arms? I'm like, it wasn't some exercise in Cosmo magazine. Like I go to the gym and like I lift, I lift heavy weights and like I hold them at the end and until my muscles shake and if you don't bulk up ladies, like if you lift correct, (laughs) you don't, but it's important for women to lift weights and feel strong in our bodies and, and make sure we don't get osteoporosis and make sure we have lots of calcium and all that kind of stuff. And, and I think the other misnomer is I don't over cardio. I think that's another thing people do. They, they get on the elliptical for 45 minutes and think that they're doing something amazing and it's better than nothing. It's better than nothing, but you're going to get a lot more bang for your buck. If you do circuit training, short bursts of getting your heart rate 
rate up and mix that in with lifting some weight, doing some plyometrics, that type of thing. Um, so it's you all you want to like for me, I like to do something different every day so my body doesn't get into a rut. Yeah, I laugh a lot during that because I work with a lot of women who are just like, you know, I suggest to them to start lifting weights and they're like, oh my gosh, like, why would I ever, why would I ever do that? And then it's like, I, you know, I, I always tell them the whole story about how my wife attributes like the best shape she was ever in in her whole life yep. was when she was weightlifting a lot. Yep. And so, um, yeah, you don't bulk up, you don't, uh, you know, it, it's kind of a big misunderstanding that a lot of women have about lifting weights, but um, yeah, it, it helps. It helps you tone your arms and in, in every other aspect of your yep. body. Yeah, and you burn you burn more calories when you have more muscle mass, and you, again, you just you just feel better. And you know, I'm more agile in my life. I my my posture is better. My spine is better. You know, the other thing is I don't sit all day. I've rigged myself a standing desk, so I alternate between sitting and standing, and I just make sure I'm active. Like tonight, I have a dinner to go to at seven, and I could drive. It's like a five seven minute drive. And it's a 20 minute walk and I'm going to walk like those are like the lifestyle choices I make every day in my life. Um, And and just simple diet stuff I eat is I buy farmers market. I don't I avoid chemicals at all costs. I don't do gluten and corn and dairy and those kinds of things. Now, I'm not like like so restrictive about it that if I'm at a birthday party and this amazing like chocolate souffle goes around, I'm definitely going to ask them. Like don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, but that's the thing. I think, you know, when we start to feel good on any level, we're less tempted to consume the things that make us not feel so good. But on those occasions where we want to splurge and really just want to enjoy and savor it, then it's, then it's fine. So it's, it's all about, to me, it's about choices. It's about empowerment. And again, it's about, you know, the choices you make are an investment in your future. We put money away into our retirement accounts. But like, how are we investing in our own aging? Right. Absolutely. Well, perfect. Yeah. You know, I was going to ask you about your diet, but you beat me to it. <laughs> Clean eating. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, Christine, I really appreciate having you on the f- uh, call today with us. Um, you know, I really think you're a role model to all the women entrepreneurs out there and men as well. So we really appreciate having you and um, thank you for, for, you know, talking about the expectation hangover and thank you for, uh, um, helping people get through that because I think a mm. lot of people need it. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me on. It was great to connect with you. Yeah. Well, you have a great day and thanks again for being part of the show. My pleasure. If you want more information to multiply your health and simplify your lifestyle, visit our website at excelpodcast.com. Until next time, have an outstanding day.